your Locked On Devils, your daily podcast on the New Jersey Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Alrighty now, what is up New Jersey? Welcome back to the Locked On Devils podcast here on the Locked On Network. I'm your host, Kalitaki, Taki, play-by-play announcer and also Devils writer for the Hockey Riders, Trey Matthews. And it is the fifth and final guest star of Devils personalities giving their opinions on this past season for the New Jersey Devils as they give their MVPs, their disappointments, their rookie of the year, and overall their expectations for this past season and a future one. So obviously we've talked to Robert Inca Jr., Alex Chavancy, Dan Rice, and we talked to Neil from the Devils State of Mind podcast. And now last, but certainly, 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 certainly not least, it's Chris Wassel. So the thing about Chris is that he's actually appeared on this show before, but that was before I became the new host of Locked On Devils a little over a year ago. So uh, he had an interview with the original host, Julia. If any of you have been listening to the show for a long, long, long time and you've stuck by me through this long, let let me just say you are a real one. But anyway, Chris uh, has a lot of insight for the New Jersey Devils. He says similar things to the other Devils personalities I've had on this show, but he does provide some interesting insight. And for his biggest disappointment of the year, it might actually surprise you because he's not going to go in the direction you think he's going to go. So it's going to be very interesting. And obviously, like I said, he has a lot of insight. He's uh, been behind the scenes. So uh, he certainly has uh, the credentials to share all this information with us. And like I said in the previous four episodes, I can't reiterate this enough. This was um, recorded before the expansion draft. It was recorded before the... Uh, entry draft and before free agency so bear with me I, I know I've said this this is the fifth time I've said this but like I said I have this is for anyone who's a new listener and is a little confused by it I'm, I'm out of town right now so I just have to uh, give you guys the content that you so want and also you know just got to improvise on the spot so uh, we're going to talk to Chris in a second, but first I have to give you guys the first and only live read this morning, and it comes from Built Bar. So, did you know that Built Bar has so many delicious flavors? There is something for everyone. When you talk to a Built Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their face. If you don't know the Built Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. They have coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate. You know what my favorite flavor is? Right now, I'm in the sunshine state, so I'm going to enjoy me a coconut Built Bar. So, not only are Built Bars the best tasting protein bars ever, but they're super healthy as well. Check out these stats. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, and only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. So order today and get that raspberry or whatever you like. Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that cool? So the offer is go to Built Bar and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 50% off your order. Again, use the promo code LOCKED15 for 50% off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, I've kept you guys waiting long enough. Let's talk to Chris as he provides some insight for the New Jersey Devils and gives his two-cent opinion 
over uh, this past season and also what are his expectations for next season. And like I said, guys, I appreciate your patience. I appreciate uh, just bearing with me because obviously everyone needs a little vacation, including me. I don't care if this uh, show is five days a week. I still want to provide you guys some content despite me being on vacation. So let's bring in Chris and let's have an open hockey discussion about the New Jersey Devils, everybody. All right. Now joining me via Zoom, it's Chris Wassel. Chris, how are you doing on this fine afternoon? I'm doing great. Are you sure this is summer weather, Trey? Uh, it's summer weather here in Philadelphia. So yeah, for, for me at least, because it's it's hot, it's rainy. And what, what more can you get? It's not like we're in Florida or anything. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it always rains in Florida. Well, at four o'clock, it always rains in Florida. <laughs> yeah, uh, it, they get it sporadically. So uh, actually, I did some research and I found out this isn't the first time you've been featured on Locked on Devils. You were actually featured um, on it like, uh, I believe, over a year ago with uh, Julia Kender, right? When she was uh, hosting it. Yes, I was. So, so basically, for anyone who's not familiar with your line of work, what, what do you do in the hockey world? I do a little bit of everything. I, co- I cover the Devils for full press coverage. Um, they had a few little problems where they asked me to come on board to cover the Montreal Canadiens uh, for, for you know, the spring and summer. And sort of like the Dallas Stars la- last, last season, uh, I became the magical unicorn of the team. As, as they managed, another team managed to get to the uh, Stanley Cup final on, on my adopted beat. So that that was a pretty wild ride, I have, I have to admit. So you cover them on that platform. Uh, have you gone to like the press conferences? Have you uh, been able to get any behind the scenes action uh, at the Prudential Center, uh, media coverage, whatever the case might be? Absolutely. It's, it's nice to be back. I'm uh, not going to lie for, for a while there, Zoom, me- look, as much as Zoom meetings are good, it, it's always nicer to be, for the lack of a better word, home um, and being at the Prudential Center. If, if, even, even with as crazy of an odd of a season that it was, it, it felt like home being with other members of the press, even if we were sitting about, oh, 15, 18 feet apart. Um, so, so for that, at least it, it, it was a, a very solid and good type of thing. Uh, I know there's a long, long way to go as always, but for the, for the, for that little while, we, we felt a slight trend towards normal. Right. And slowly, but surely everything is going back to normal. We're going to go back to the regular divisions. Um, we're going to get another 82 game season and obviously, you know, you know, even though this past season was unprecedented, um, it's just overall nice to slowly but surely get out of this pandemic and get back to what we all know and love. But anyway, um, I, I, let's talk the New Jersey Devils then, since you're so familiar with them. Um, going into this season, what were your expectations for them? It's weird because most people had higher expectations for them. Um, my my hope, honestly, was that they just didn't trip over themselves. And unfortunately, the start of the season—that's basically just what they did. And you, know, you, you hate you hate to say things, and you hate to look back at things and go, "Oh, well, what would have happened here and there?" Uh, but I do wonder if a couple players hadn't come into camp in slightly better shape. What, what might have been. Uh, we're, we're never going to know uh, between that and what happened with the COVID and the Devils, unfortunately. 
whether it was Buffalo's fault, New Jersey's fault, it really doesn't really doesn't matter. Um, but we do we do know that at least a half half dozen or more devils had a rather significant case of COVID, and that undoubtedly affected the team and derailed the honestly it derailed the entire season because the first five six games. Look, the Devils looked like world beaters, at least on the road. They could beat Boston. They could beat Pittsburgh. They, they, they were treading water. And again, af- after that COVID diagnosis, the first couple games went by and they just hit a wall that they never recovered from. Right. And obviously, you know, when I've brought other Devils personalities onto the show, they basically have been saying the same thing as you have. But you said something interesting. You felt like uh, they didn't really get off to a good start to the season. How, However, um, you know, I, personally on my show, I felt like for the first three or so games, especially with Mackenzie Blackwood, they did uh, they did get off to a pretty decent start. Right. But um, obviously, you know, uh, that COVID uh, two-week hiatus really did hurt them, like many other teams like the Buffalo Sabres and the Dallas Stars. You also mentioned that uh, some of the Devils players didn't uh, come in, you know, I, I guess in, in the best of shape as they could have had. Um, can, can you elaborate on that more? Like what players didn't come into training camp, the best of shape. I can, I can, I can hear the people from Smithtown, New York, booing me right now. Um, but Kyle Palmieri had to be one. Uh, it, it was obvious from, from train, from the sort of hackneyed training camp that they had for, for teams, uh, that he was just not in the best of hockey shape. Now that's not just, to say, that's not to say that he was in, in shape, just not in hockey. Just the hockey playing mentality was not there uh, for, for, from the get go for him. And you saw you saw it in the numbers. I mean, they did they didn't lie. Um, you know, this is this is a guy that was shooting Trey. He was shooting 13 percent every year uh, for the last what four or five seasons or more. So you figure since his last year in Anaheim up until last year in New Jersey before, you know, the season got irrevocably broken, as they say. Uh, He was, you know, this basically guy that got two points every three games, like clockwork, and could score 25 to 30 goals for you. And that just did not happen, even as an an Islander. And yes, he scored several clutch goals in the playoffs. That that doesn't, that don't matter now. Um, what mattered was, was then, and you had a guy playing 18 minutes a night, and I lost count on how many shots he missed, which was very, very unusual for him. Uh, even, late, even late the season before, you could start seeing this trend where he was missing a lot more shots than usual. And you start to wonder, it's like, well, maybe the old, you know, maybe the old fastball's gone a little bit, or... Maybe he had a worse case of COVID than, than we know, but that doesn't explain the beginning of the season where he was ice cold. That is actually a good point. And because it did take him a while to get his first goal of the year, I believe it took him like, you know, I, I forget the amount of games, but it did take him a while. And it was, and his first goal of the year came against the um, Boston Bruins. It seemed mm-hmm. like Mary did well, uh, particularly against the Boston Bruins, because I believe there were two examples in which the devils won one to nothing. Uh, but, you know, the person who uh, scored the lone goal for both respective teams for both of those games 
was Kyle Palmieri and Scott Wedgwood, I believe got one of the shutouts and Mackenzie Blackwood got the other one. So um, yeah, I can, I can see that because it did look like Kyle, Kyle Palmieri was a step slower to begin the year. And I believe like once he did get into that hockey shape, you know, uh, especially when he got to the Islanders and especially when he helped them with their playoff run, you know, I, I, I think he started to hit his full stride of the season at the right possible time because for the Islanders, it didn't look like the trade was going to work out for them with uh, Kyle Palmieri or Travis Ajak. But, you know, once the playoffs rolled around, they did a lot better. So, you know, I, I, I could see where you're coming from in that regards. But and, you know, and it's funny, too, because what, what people noticed, what are the two teams that Palmieri played in the first two rounds of the playoffs? Pittsburgh and Boston. Those are the two teams that he did well against during the regular season. So it, ma- it makes a lot of sense. I mean, look. Uh, you know, people forget that he had four, he had four goals in the Boston series alone. I mean, I'm just, yeah. I'm just saying, you know, he had, he had three more against Pittsburgh. And to be honest, he looked quite dangerous. Most of that series, even in the games that he did not score. So it, it, it is strange how it works. Trey, sometimes you, know, you happen to face the teams that you're familiar with and depending on where he ends up this, this summer, he might see them again. Yeah, well, you know, I did uh, hint towards that a few weeks ago in an episode, you know, saying could Kyle Palmer reunite with the New Jersey Devils? Because quite honestly, I think we could get him for cheap. He's familiar with the organization. Um, obviously, an extension couldn't have been worked out. But, you know, at the same time, you know, uh, I think uh, there was no bad blood between both respective parties. But, um you know, that kind of raises a question because obviously we heard Travis Zajac's comments, um, you know, during the course of the playoffs saying, like, if you weren't under 25, you didn't fit in with the New Jersey Devils system. Could it be just like, you know, Kyle Palmer was just showing frustrations with the organization and just say, get me out of here because I don't want to be here? Did, did you ever uh, sense that from him? It's weird because you never, with, with Palmer, you didn't, with Zajac, you did for a couple seasons. Uh, it, it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise with Zajac. And there's a few, there, there's there been a few instances throughout his career. And the one you go way back to the Jamie Langenbrunner days where, oh, oh, that was brutal. That was brutal for every, anybody and everybody that was even remotely involved. Um, but it seemed like he got over that. Um, Lou patched things up with, with Zajac. But this was different. Uh, this was more... This was, this was something that was far more irreconcilable uh, for, for whatever reason. And look, Zajac's offensive production is dependent on other players. It always has been. At first it was Parisi, then it was Yager, then it was, El, you know, for a short time, Eliash. Then it was just in, insert, get lucky here and hope for the best. And... He's always been kind of a streaky player that doesn't shoot a lot and gets honestly sometimes lucky. And... Yeah, that is something I've mentioned in the episode because um, you know he he did have the uh, the pleasure of playing with the you know the uh, the A line you know obviously are not uh, Eliash and uh, Sakura so. Uh, you know, when, when we're looking at it from that perspective, you know, he was blessed with, uh, you know, a lot of great players. Obviously, um, you know, uh, he was uh, there when Marty Brodeur was still there as a netminder and, you know, just surrounded by a lot of great players that built the New Jersey Devils organization. But, you know, obviously, um, 
they, even though they did have a few playoff runs, because I believe they went to the playoffs in his first season with the Devils. Um, and I, the last time that the Devils went to the playoffs uh, was 2018, but the last time that they were like legitimate contenders was, um, you know, 2012 during their finals run, because 2018, we got gentlemen swept by the Tampa Bay Lightning. So it's just like, you know, I, you know, yeah, you got to the playoffs, but at the same time, that was just, you know, you, 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 you essentially got swept. The, the Lightning gave you one game. So I, I guess I could see the frustrations for uh, someone like Travis Zajek, but at the same time, you know, Zajek just needs to, you know, I, I believe he just needed to humble himself a little bit more, but I can understand the frustrations. Well, you got, you got to remember too. I mean, you know, he, at, at that point, he, he's basically a, for all intents and purposes, a, just about 15 year veteran at that point, uh, play, you know, playing all his game, games for, for the same team. And he, you know, he played a little bit over a thousand games as a devil. Um, obviously it didn't, it did not work out towards, towards the end. That's just, that's just painfully obvious. And You'd argue his ability as a penalty killer definitely started to diminish. Oh yeah, because uh, we had one the of the last worst penalty seasons. kills in the uh, NHL. I mean, this 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 wasn't just bad. This was historically bad, and you you have to hang it on some players and obviously some coaching, because you had the same. It's one of those things where it's if you saw the same thing happening all the time or the same basic mistake, wouldn't you try to correct it? And it was as if certain, certain players were just like, I don't want to be on this train wreck. And that was it. And there was no, there was no adjustments uh, or players didn't want to make adjustments. So it's either one of the one, the other, or both. It's either players co- or coaching or both. And at some point, your leadership has to take some kind of responsibility. And I think there was definitely an issue there. So uh, that actually leads us to my next question in terms of leadership. Uh, how do you think uh, Tom Fitzgerald and um, Lindy Ruff have been doing of just trying to take the reins of the organization and just head it into the right directions? Because quite honestly, I think they've done a pretty good job and they continue to, um, you know, just uh, take the organization into the right steps. But, you know, obviously I love hearing uh, various amount of opinions. So what's your opinion in terms of the leadership for the New Jersey Devils from Nico Heischer, the captain, um, to uh, Lindy Ruff, to Tom Fitzgerald up in the front office. What you're basically hoping for this year is a complete opposite of last year. Uh, that, that's, that's the best way to describe it. And it's, and it's no one's fault because of anything and everything that the Devils went through last year. You can, you can write off only if you see a tangible turn this year. If you don't, it's a problem, but anybody with a, with a clear conscience in mind has to sit there and look at last season and go, okay, you know what? We're going to wipe our hands with it. And we're going to take a look at this year and we're going to see what happens and, and go from there as opposed to looking back at last season. 
That is true. And, you know, obviously, uh, I think they're, like I said, taking it into the right directions. Obviously, uh, I didn't really have high expectations for Lindy Ruff, I'll be honest. But, you know, he has surprised me. Uh, But he does have to improve the defense and he does have to improve specialty teams. But I believe that can come with uh, more practice time because obviously they were only granted like morning skate and like off days were strictly for off days. They weren't practice times, especially with the amount of games we had to play in a short amount of time so obviously there's that um and you know I just believe that'll that'll take uh some time but um you said you know you're you're a credentialed uh member of the media for the New Jersey Devils do you have any behind the scenes um action that you could share with us or that you feel comfortable sharing uh I mean there's there's a there's a couple things and there there's been things that people have been talking about obviously uh, the one the one curious thing is that it isn't be true that Adam Larson is going to test free agency. And one of the teams, oddly enough, that he is looking at is New Jersey. Now, it doesn't mean that he's going to come here. Uh, doesn't mean that there's going to be a reunion, but he is looking and poking around for opportunities. Uh, much like what Zach Greasy is doing right now. He's looking for fam- familiar, a familiar home. Um, and besides Long Island, which is painfully obvious, he is also looking at, at New Jersey on a potentially cheap contract as well. It would be, it would be a one-year 35-plus deal with incentives. And I don't think he's not going to come to New Jersey because of, of what we've, we've talked about just here in the last few minutes uh, as far as mostly younger players. But if Parisi isn't signed at some point right away in free agency and it rolls around in mid late August or whatever, uh, just before that dreaded dead zone, as I call it, and he's not signed. Maybe Fitzgerald looks way, perhaps, you know, there's a very slim chance that, um, you know, he, he could, he could potentially resign. And we, we mentioned here too, that it's not entirely out of the realm of possibility that Cal Palmieri will look uh, for a contract here. Uh, it, it depends on what dollars are out there. I mean, we've seen we've seen the market for defensemen. Obviously, that's inflated, even with the flat cap. Uh, we saw Miro Heiskanen signed for an AV of over eight million try a year, over eight million. Uh, so you know, Dougie Hamilton's getting at least eight and a half, and we have plus. that money. And there, there's that, there's that money thing. I mean, something about weaponized cap space. I, I've heard it for three, four years, uh, drummed into my head like, like a very slow tom tom drum. Uh, so we have that. Uh, there's, there's no question. It, it, it comes down to what are, what are we going to absorb, and what happens in the second wave after the expansion draft on Wednesday? Because there's going to be some kind of wave of trades uh, that, that comes out of this between say late Wednesday and the weekend. Yep. Obviously there's been a lot happening in the NHL as we speak right now during the time of this recording, obviously Ryan Graves um, was um, uh, recently traded to the New Jersey Devils. I think that's a solid trade and that's the starter move. So that way the Devils could expose PK Subban in the draft, but obviously, you know, uh, we're recording this episode, uh, you know, like a few days in advance before uh, we we actually post it live. But it kind of uh, leads into my next question. Let's talk about, I guess, sort of 
the now for the New Jersey Devils, like what we know currently. So if you, I, I've been asking a lot of Devils personalities this uh, same question. If you had to pick an MVP of the team this past season, like if there was a Hart Memorial Trophy winner specifically for New Jersey, who would you award it to? People will laugh at when I say this just because I kind of knew how good this guy was. And people are going to be like, what? You're giving this to who? And, he, and he's only a rookie? Yeah, we're, we're, gonna, we're going to go there just because. Well, let's see. Let's see. There's, there's three possible candidates. One is Igor Sharangovich. The other is Tom Smith. That's the one. And the third would be Yanni Kwokinen. I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought about Kwokinen quite a bit just because, look. So Sharon Govich, well, I, I, I'm sure you've seen my Twitter. That's my favorite player. So, um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not going to laugh in you in, in your face. I, with that. I, I, I angered so many De- Devils fans and, well, arguably maybe a few Arizona fans along the way uh, because there, there is this like little bit of me that thinks this, uh, that Sharon Govich reminds me a little bit of a Belarusian version of Connor Garland of the Arizona Coyotes. Really? A little bit now now to be fair Igor is a li- little bit taller and a little heavier but he plays even heavier than his 195 pound frame would suggest uh i i laugh sometimes because you, you'll see him go up against guys that are like 6'6 250 and it's like he knocked the guy down really huh i mean no, he, no did, kidding. he did establish his um impact um you know at- very quickly when he uh, came into the league and when he had his opportunity, because obviously, you know, uh, we had to deal with a few players missing from our roster to begin the year. So, you know, we had to deal with, uh, I, I don't think Jesper Bratt was with the team to start mm-hmm. this year. Yep. Uh, Sammy Votnin and then obviously Nico Keiser had to deal with injury. Uh, so I think uh, Sharon Govich got his NHL opportunity just due to the fact that, you know, we needed some fillers, especially with two uh, forwards being out for us to start the year. And I, I think he surprised a lot of people because, um, you know, this might be a hot take, but I think Sharon Govich was originally supposed to be just a bottom six kind of player. Cause I don't think anyone anticipated how good he was going to be until training camp came along. And like Amanda Stein tweeted out saying that Sharon Govich was one of the surprises of training camp. And I guess that's when they said, you know what? I think this guy is something special because Originally, coming out of Belarus, you know, he had a very up and down uh, kind of time trying to get to the NHL. He was drafted in the fifth round. And obviously, your chances of playing in the NHL uh, being selected out of the fifth round are like slim to none. So it's just like, um, you know, he had to fight tooth and nail to earn his roster spot and earn his stripes. And, you know, it, that, that's one of the reasons why I love him so much, uh, Chris, is just because I love his journey. I love his quest. Uh, like I said, coming out of Belarus, uh, uh, then obviously getting drafted in the fifth round, then, you know, signing that entry-level deal with the uh, New Jersey Devils, I believe uh, this year was his last year of his, um, of, of, his, of that respective contract. And obviously, you know, he surprised a lot of people. And I think originally he was supposed to be sort of like a bottom six kind of player, but he surprised a lot of people with his ability to score, his ability to facilitate. And overall, he's uh, the top, one of the top guys on uh, our top line with uh, Hughes and Quokinen. Yeah, I mean he's he's a he's a play he's a play driver. I mean, look, we we everybody saw saw the goal against Boston at the beginning of the season, and you saw the unbridled joy afterwards. I mean, you you you, you kind of knew then you had something special in, in this kid, and 
you know, obviously, you know, he is, he is an RFA. This, he's going to get, he's going to get extended. Uh, it's believed that a deal is going to be made official in the coming, coming days uh, sometime between now and free, when free agency starts. Uh, but, you know, he, he's going to be a devil for, for, for years to come. And he's probably going to be a rather prominent uh, devil just because he can play all three, four positions uh, when pressed. And he's only 23 years old. So we have to, we have to keep that, keep that well, in mind too. We, we are a very young team. So uh, that kind of leads into my next question. Who is your <laughs> biggest surprise? Yeah, biggest surprise that this was this was this was tough for me because look and it's it's unfortunate that probably his his time in New Jersey is likely done um but I, I will be honest I have to say Ryan Ryan Murray was a definite surprise really I was kind of dis- I was kind of disappointed in his production a little bit but you know what considering how far his career had fallen I didn't really have any expectations whatsoever good point uh, and that's kind of the. I, I guess it's. A, I guess it's kind of not. I wouldn't call it a dumb way to look at it, but just sort of a, for lack of a better term, lowered expectations way to look at it, uh, as, as as Mad TV once uh, exclaimed. Um, and okay. you you looked at the way he played, and it's like okay, it's not great, but it's not bad. And he was able to kind of drive plays, and he didn't make those glaring mistakes that a David Severson would make occasionally. And he knew when to shut his mouth and when to speak his mind. Unlike Severson, still doesn't hasn't figured that out in all these years. Someday he will, someday. Someday, but not today. I don't think, especially no. And that's the saddest part of this team is probably probably there. If you if you had more players that had the work ethic of say, you know what what Murray had to realize, and if a guy like Damon Severson ever realizes that, instead of blaming everybody else, God, he would be damn good defenseman. He really would. I mean, there's 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 no there's no slicing or dicing this tray. He's a he's a million dollar player with a two cent head. I mean, yeah, I mean, I didn't. I kind of had some decent expectations for Murray because one of my colleagues uh, who who uh, covers the Columbus Blue Jackets, he told me like, you know, when healthy, Murray's one of the best passing defensemen uh, in the NHL. Obviously, he he has had to deal with a lot of injury, and uh, you know, there were talks that maybe he wouldn't even last in the NHL. So. You know, I guess I can understand it from that perspective. I guess I never really looked at it from from that sort of way. But, you know, it's just like sometimes I just think of the production. Sometimes I think about, you know, how high expectations we did have for him because he was uh, originally supposed to be our top lines um, uh, on the defensive end, along with P.K. Subban. That's how it was to begin the year. But that just didn't work out. And that was sort of, I guess, what we were trying to do, um, What similar to what the Rangers are just trying to do, which is, you know, we have a young guy in Ty Smith, so obviously, you know, o- over in um, over in New York, they have uh, Keandre Miller, who 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 uh, you know was awarded All Rookie Team along with Ty Smith, and then you know they and you know PK Subban is our former Norris Trophy winner, and then obviously Adam Fox is a, uh, just won the 
Norris Trophy. So I think that's what we're just trying to do in terms of the defensive end, similar to what the New York Rangers have been able to do. You have someone who's a, a very good young rookie, and then you have a Norris Trophy winner uh, in Adam Fox. And then, you know, Keandre Miller is just young and can develop in the right direction. Uh, same with Ty Smith. So, you know, looking at it from that perspective, I think that's what we're trying to build. And, you know, for Ryan Murray, it's just like sometimes he just didn't fit in. Uh, there was obviously, you know, speculation as to why he didn't get traded. It seemed like Lindy Ruff liked him. So, you know, it could be possible that maybe he signs a one-year extension with the Devils. I wouldn't bet on it. But, you know, um, at the same time, it's just like sometimes he was a healthy scratch. Obviously, he did have to deal with uh, – I'm not sure if it was COVID or injury, but, um, you know, he had to deal with something similar to a lot of people. So, you know, I, I guess looking at it from that perspective, like, I guess you're right, just not having high expectations for him. Yeah, it was just weird because, I mean, people people often forget that two years ago, I mean, he he was he was an integral part of Columbus's even-strength offense. I mean, this is this is a guy that two years ago had 28 assists in, in just 56 games. But again, it, even, even then, it, it, Trey, it alludes to the simple fact he could not stay healthy. I mean, you know, you're, you're, you just do the math real fast. His only healthy season was his third season. And then he missed 20-something games. Then he missed 30-something games. Then he missed 20-something games again. The year before, he missed 40-something games. You know, last, last year probably was one of his healthiest seasons, and even then he was banged up. I mean, he, missed, he only missed eight games. So, that's you know, it's rough. There's no question about it. I mean, the Devils need healthy, healthy players that can, that can produce consistently. Uh, and the other issue was, yes, the one thing that he did not excel at was the power play at all. He did not have a single point on a man advantage last year. Well, I'll, I'll defend him in that regard. So we, we were not many did. So yeah, not many did. We were all <laughs> awful in the power play with the exception of Zaka. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, no, go ahead. Straight, strange tales of odd, oddness. That's the only way you could describe last year on the power play at times. Just disappointing. We looked like a deer in headlights. We were just so soft. Um, in terms of our overall, just, uh production in that regards just passing it around not being aggressive not collapsing the defense and just you know letting um letting the opponent like turn it over or just um you know clear the puck whatever the case might be we we look soft to deer in headlights in my opinion so yeah but zaka you know took a few steps forward so you know got to give credit when credit is due in that regards and it kind of leads me into um I don't think I've asked anyone this. Um, who was the most disappointing in your opinion? Because I'm curious to hear that. This is rough because <laughs> a lot of candidates. Um, you know, you could have what you could have gone any any number of directions. You could have gone with the leadership. You could have gone with Zajac. You could have gone with Palmieri. You, you, you could go with you could have gone with Severson. Um, I actually did one worst, and it's not a player. Really? It's coach. Okay. I think I know where this is going. Simply El- Elaine Nazardine. And it's funny. I, I, was, I, I was talking to um, uh, Neil, who hosts Devil's State of Mind, and we both agree Nazardine needs to be fired. Like, he, 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 he cannot be under Lindy Ruff's uh, system. It doesn't work. It, it just doesn't work. I, I, look, I'm trying to it, – it was actually the – uh, first game we were allowed back 
um, to within, say, 18 feet in the press box. Because at one point it was like 30 something feet. I mean, you, you, could, you had to throw something to somebody to get their attention. And to be 18 feet, you could at least talk to the person next to you in the press box. And I, I could remember Mike Morial looking at me and Mike Ashmore and Greg Wyshynski. And all at the same time, we just went, what in the heck is this guy doing here? What is, we saw two backdoor plays in a row. It was the, it was the same exact play. And the Rangers scored both times. And we're just like, that, 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 that sequence is on coaching completely. There, there was nobody, I didn't see anybody other than rough. I didn't see anybody like angered on the bench. I mean, look, I've said this to people. I, I, while I wasn't credentialed for a little while for various reasons, I happened to take up a little side residence at, at devil's fan club meetings. And I asked, I'll be honest. I asked Elaine Nazardine a simple structure question defensively. He could not answer me. Well, I mean, honestly, his answer was dead wrong for what he did mutter out, but it, it raised a, like just a series of red flags that you just cannot, you can't dismiss. And you figured when Hines was fired, that after Nazardine had his run and the Devils actually looked worse defensively, you thought at the end of the season he would be fired. And the thing is, Lindy Ruff has revealed that he's going to retain all of his staff. So that means uh, uh, we're stuck. Yeah, Nazardine is is returning uh, for at least half a season unless they decide to fire him like halfway through the year. But yeah, so I, Lind- I, I, I appreciate Lindy Ruff uh, giving his staff another chance because obviously it's a little unfair to judge them, especially during the unprecedented times, lack of practice, Um, obviously, you know, just trying to get a new system, a new leadership role in. So I appreciate him in that regards, but for someone like Nazardine, I don't think he's going to get any better. Yeah. I mean, look, we thought, we thought maybe Hines would get better and look at, look at what happened. I mean, you, you, you knew, you knew the inevitable was coming. Um, And the fact that, that even in the season that Hines was fired, he held on as long as he did. Well, that, that probably cost Ray Shiro his position uh, as well. So when you, when you look at it that way, you have to sit there and go, hmm, okay, what happened? What can we do to correct it? The answer is obvious. And you hope that you hope one of two things happen. You hope what well, you hope in the greater sense for the sake of everybody involved, that last year was that total fluke where everything that went wrong did. And then, of course, there's option B, which is, oh, God, it really was that bad. And now we have to do something. But we're going to find out quickly this season simply because, well, let's face it, there's going to be stiffer competition. And we're going to get to see all the other 31 teams. Including a brand new team that's uh, coming this year with uh, the Seattle Kraken. So, you know, that'll be very interesting to see. 
hey, we get the face, we get the face an old familiar coach that the Devils used to torment for the very short stay that he had in Philadelphia. <laughs> well, yep, this will be that'll definitely be interesting to see. So um, obviously, we, we we've touched on everything. We talked about you know biggest surprise. We talked about MVP. We talked about biggest disappointment. We talked about uh, what's going on behind the scenes, and obviously, you know. Uh, we, we've touched on a lot of things, but is there any uh, any other final thoughts that you want to add in terms of, you know, giving the fan base some hope or, you know, any uh, other insight that you want to provide with us? Maybe another hot take here and there. That's ah, always fun. Uh, one, of the, one of the things that I do always want to say to fans is that, look, we fight like hell with each other. I mean, that's just that's just the bad. I, I know people get frustrated with it and they ask, well, why does this always have to happen? And part of it is, honestly, that's just how we're raised. We're from New Jersey. But it's, it's our nature to fight and scratch and claw. And that's why they called it Jersey Strong in the first place and not all those other places that ripped it off. Uh, so there, there has to be this understanding that, hey, we're not always going to love each other. That's just, that's just the nature of the beast. We are Devils fans. Children of the devil in that sense. And you're going to have these debates that borderline on outright fights. That's just how it is. Uh, do we have to like it? No. Do we have to always get into every debate out there? No. But it means that there are fans that actually care. And there's fans that are concerned and there's nothing wrong with that. That's why it's called a fan because it's short for fanatic makes kind of, kind of sense in, in that way. So, uh, you know, for the fan base out there, there is, there is a considerable amount of hope uh, in the sense that this team is going to keep growing. It's just not going to be at the pace that everybody wants. And that's the problem. And it's always going to be the problem. Everybody wants to win now. And the reality is that is just not going to happen yet. This is the youngest team in the NHL and not just by a little bit either. And we also have the youngest head captain in Nico Heizer. Youngest captain, youngest this, youngest that. You got some young, you have young, got young people on the staff. You, you kind of have to expect, you know, a growth process and you have to, and people are just going to have to write off last year, at least at least for now. Um, again, the lack of practice, the lack of practice time, the lack of ability really for players to recover properly. Because remember, you needed to, most cases you needed to have a practice in order to get back into game play and to play in in games. So that added injury time. And last year, obviously, if you missed four weeks, Trey, you missed a quarter of the season. It, it, it wasn't, good, it's, not like, it's not like now, it's not like now where this year we're going to have six months. So where you miss, it's not quite as much damage. You miss a month as you do, did last year. So uh, there, there's that, that to consider as well. And probably one of the better news type of stories for New Jersey right now is there's really no player that had major off season injury news for a change. Thank you. Thank you. Because uh, that's probably one of the most frustrating things for a member of the media to try and cover over the summer 
is anybody that's had a major surgery coming in, especially last year. So, you know, again, you hope that the team can stay healthy. You hope that they can take advantage of some teams in the division that still are not quite as good as <coughs> Philadelphia. And I don't <laughs> care what people say. You can acquire Ryan Ellis all you want. Uh, Ryan Ellis was traded for a reason, by the way. And it's because much like three quarters of the Nashville Predators, he got pretty damn complacent in Nashville. And they just could not stand it anymore. And they started gutting that team. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're not done this summer. You're, you're going to see quite a gutting of that team. Uh, for those that don't know, by the way, there were about 11 or 12 games that Ellis missed in the middle of the season. And that was UC Saros's best 11 game, 11, 12 game stretch of the entire 2021 season. I'm just saying. He's just saying, co- guys. It's not a coincidence. So, uh, oh, in that period too, Matt Duchesne was out for most of it as well. So don't expect to see Matt Duchesne probably in a national uniform if, if they can at all possibly find a way to get him out of Nashville. Uh, it, it's just strange. There's no real rationale to s- some of it, but it just, be thankful that we're not as bad as some teams out there. Be thankful we're not as bad as Anaheim. I mean, Anaheim had to legitimately hire Joel Bouchard to repair their farm system. That's why he was brought in to coach San Diego uh, for a year, basically to work with the prospects. And then eventually he'll probably become a head coach at Anaheim at some point. Uh, but it's to repair that farm system, which is under mass disarray. I mean, I mean, ours is bad. No question. And I know the move to Utica and everything else, but it could be worse. I mean, uh, you know, I think our future is pretty bright. And that kind of leads me to my final question, which is, um, you know, we have we had 11 rookies dressed for the New Jersey Devils last season. Obviously, you talked about Sharon Govich and um, his overall impact for a team. But other than him, what other young gun surprised you this season? Or is there a young gun that you're looking forward to watching uh, in the near future? Like, uh, what can you tell us in, in, in your honest opinion? I, I, I really can't wait to see how Ty Smith develops. I, I really, I, I, I am fascinated. I, I, I got hooked early. I, I know, look, he's going to have a ton of growing pains. He didn't, he didn't Spokane. Everybody knows that probably should have made, he probably should have made the team the year before, but there was a reason. And you under, you kind of understood why uh, when you saw uh, the product this season, he did finish seventh in the, in the, in the Calder trophy um, voting. And he was, he made the all, all rookie team, which is impressive. I mean, that's impressive given the fact that New Jersey had no power in, in a lot of ways. Ty Smith was the main defenseman on the power play because he was the only one that most times could get the puck on net or close to the net. Um, there are obvious things that he has to work on defensively. And he, he knows that better than anybody. Uh, but I think his biggest asset going forward, Trey, is going to be this. A best defense is an even better offense. And that is definitely what he possesses. If he can, if he can get more of his shots on net, like if you could see the shot he has in practice, as opposed to sometimes the shot you see in game, 
then you're going to see the goals come up. I know he only scored twice last year in 48 games. I understand that. But is he going to score 20 in a season? Probably not. Is he somebody who can score 10 or 15 goals in a season? Absolutely. And I do think, I do think you're going to see a little bit of a jump in year two from him. Are you going to see like the Jack Hughes jump? No. But you're going to see an overall better performance from a guy like Ty Smith. And Ty Smith was quite good last year. I mean, look, his, his possession numbers were excellent. I, I, I get the fact that he was set up to succeed a lot of the time. But if you notice, his minutes increased over the second half of the season. And those possession numbers did not suffer. Even everything that was going on around him, COVID and the trade deadline and players coming and going, Ty Smith actually got better as the season went along. And if you're a Devils fan, you have to feel pretty good about that. All right. So we touched on pretty much everything. Uh, Chris, thank you for coming on. Do you have any uh, final things you want to share? Um, not too, not too much. Everybody will be doing some more work. We'll be doing some draft work uh, over at, uh, uh, full press hockey. Uh, we'll be covering the draft, uh, Friday night as it happens. Uh, pray, pray for me as I'm putting new carpeting in, in my room on Friday. Perfect timing. I know. Uh, so hopefully I can get the TV and the setup and everything going just right. And we'll be able to cover the, uh, uh, devil's part of the draft uh, from 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 that perspective uh, on night one, and the other thing will be is to expect a serious amount of movement. Uh, do not be surprised if the Devils kick the tires on Vladimir Tarasenko's contract once more uh, between now and then. Uh, right, well, I, know, I know, I know, they've gone back. They've gone to the well twice already, so don't be surprised if you see them try it for for a third time. We'll see. We'll see if Doug Armstrong will give. Uh, this time around track we'll see what happens and obviously you know we have money to burn baby so it's just a matter of how we use it and obviously you know at the time of this recording uh uh, only one occurrence happened and that was the uh, graves trade but you know chris uh thank you for coming on and check out uh uh his work uh the link for some of his uh work will be in the description of this episode so chris thanks once again for coming on and just talking devil's hockey Uh, Thank you very much. So once again, thanks to Chris and Robert Inkin Jr., uh, Dan, Alex, uh, Neil, all of you guys for coming on to the show and overall having this open discussion about uh, the New Jersey Devils in terms of their season, giving me your two cent opinions. I really appreciate it. And quite honestly, guys, I hope this provides some insight for next season. And obviously, it's nice to hear from varying opinions about our favorite team. So once again, I thank your guys' um, patience because, like I said, on vacation, wanted to provide you guys some content. And I thought this was the best uh, possible way to still provide you with some content. And at the same time, not BS it. Just give you guys something to uh, enjoy while I'm away. And I miss giving you guys the up-to-date action. I miss uh, giving silly season. But don't worry, I shall return and return triumphantly. So uh, that's about all the time I have for you guys today. Thanks for listening. And once again, I appreciate your patience and understanding. Continue to stay safe and have a wonderful day, New Jersey. I will catch you guys in the next episode. And you know what? For old time's sake, because of this week, I'm just going to say this. I recorded these episodes before the expansion draft, the entry-level draft, and also free agencies. So I'm sure you guys are sick of uh, hearing me say that. But, you know, just wanted to say for old time's sake. Okay, I will catch you guys in the next episode once I return from vacation. Thanks for listening.